Churches, so good to see you here. If you don't know me, my name's Austin. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Overcome Church. I serve alongside some of the best, I think, some of the most genuine people for the Lord. Um, we're missing Pastor Jimmy today. If you would, pray for him. He's struggling with a little sickness. I think we have a few families that are struggling with a little bit of that. And so pray for Pastor Jimmy as he's at home. I'm sure he's watching. Hey, Pastor Jimmy. Good to see you, uh, virtually see you. Thank you guys for being here. Hey, anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Why don't you take 30 seconds and give somebody a high five, a handshake, and a hug. Let them know you're glad to see them here at the house of the Lord. It's good to see you. It's good to be back in the Lord's house. This is my favorite day of the week. This is my favorite thing to do, is to stand up here and uh, and um, get to hang out with you guys and this band. What about this band, y'all? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, we are privileged to have people like Jeremiah and the band here. They rock. Pastor Jeremiah, as he faithfully leads worship each and every week. Uh, truly pastoring us in worship. Uh, there's something to be said about that. There's a difference between a concert and a good show and really being uh, led in worship. Amen? I love you, Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell and his, uh, his love uh, displayed. Love displayed. Everybody said no. Um, anybody enjoying the Christmas season this year? I think my house has um, overly expressed its joy for Christmas. Um, and not to, uh, not to make Sandra and her ridiculous passion for Christmas um, the highlight of today's message. She was... Um, she was upset at one of the neighbors last night as we walked Bailey because they had added lights. 
And she said, we are losing now. I said, Sandra, we're not putting any more lights on our apartment. And I need you to know, the reason why we are losing now is not because of lights, per se, but because they had added a three-foot-tall inflatable Santa to their, like, five-foot-wide front yard at the apartment. It's like, we can't put Santas on the balcony. We live second story. It doesn't work. It won't work. Um, and we're not commandeering our under underneath neighbor's front yard there for inflatable Santa. Um, so, anyway, pray for Sandra. She's, she's upset that we're now losing in this uh, fictitious race to be the best. Uh, <laughs> uh, in this race to be the best illuminated apartment in our complex. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Forgive me. For, yeah, pray for me, Lord. I need help. Uh, Lord, help us all. Let's pray. We need to pray. We need to, anybody excited to get into the word of the Lord? This morning, me too. That's this is much better than talking about my apartment and Sandra's complex. God, we love you and we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you for your word, what it means to us, what it says, and what it does. God, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today, afresh and anew. God, that you would give us perspective. Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, and Lord, help us today to have ears to hear and hearts to receive. God, I pray as we enter into this season, this time, as we celebrate the birth of. Christ, Lord, how you came to be God with us, Emmanuel, all to die on a cross, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, and then ultimately, and most importantly, to raise, declaring the trueness of your sacrifice for us, God, and, and validating, sealing us, um, sealing us uh, with your love and your grace and your mercy and kindness. God, we thank you for those things. Lord, we thank you that your mercy is new each and every morning, God, how we need it. Lord, we ask your blessing now as we enter into a time where we'll look into your word, God. We ask that you would speak, and Lord, that we would listen. God, give us perspective today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen? Well, I can't say it enough. I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited to preach this word. Um, I really... I amp myself up all week long. I really do. I, I'm like, uh, I'm my own coach. Uh, I will, I will, during my time of study, um, just amp myself up and, and place on myself expectation for not only how I would deliver this, but um, I, would, I will place importance on things that I'll say and things that I'll do while I'm up here on stage. Um, not so much to make sure that you don't think a certain way about me, but rather to make sure that I'm doing everything right uh, in the sight of the Lord. And so everything I say, everything I do, everything that I preach is very intentional uh, to be uh, truth and um, pleasing to the Lord. I never want to do anything out of selfish ambition. I never want to do anything out of gain for myself. Everything that I do and say up here on this stage and outside of these walls um, should and uh, hopefully, uh, should my pride get out of the way, um, will be done 
to build up the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. And that's, that should be our prayer. That should be all of our prayer. Everything we say and do, let it glorify the Lord. Um, today, I want to, I, I'm typically not, I guess the reason why I go into these things is, I'm typically not the one, and I've, we've talked about it amongst the pastors, we're not necessarily, I'm not the one to uh, go out of my way to preach a special Christmas um, sermon. I think I said this last year as we preached. Who can, who can tell me the name of the Christmas sermon last year? Anybody? Mm. Huh? It's the whole year, I know. I guess we can blame it that there's been so many good messages preached that you can't. I'll believe the best in you. I will, I promise. No, it was Behold. Y'all remember that one? Behold. Stop, look, and listen. See what the Lord is doing. We talked about how God is uh, present uh, as he's doing a new thing and so on and so forth. And uh, so anyway, I said that to say I'm not necessarily one to preach uh, Christmas services talking about, uh, you know, the birth of Christ. How many of those can you hear? Right? How many of the same story, the same sermon preached a different way can you hear? But I'll tell you, God came uh, with something new. And so uh, that's a good thing. God has uh, given me a fresh word for you. That's what I wanted to say. I said all that to say there's a fresh word given uh, for you specifically in this room and you specifically that are watching. I want to say thank you to everybody who watches. Uh, I'm sorry for some of the circumstance as to why you have to watch online as opposed to being in this room. Uh, but nonetheless, thank you for watching and being a part of Overcome Church in that way. Today, church, I want to talk about uh, an important uh, topic. Feet for the path. I want to talk about feet for the path. Somebody grab your neighbor on the shoulder and say, neighbor. All right, come on, y'all. Somebody touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor, pray with me. We're going to pray. You ready? God, give me feet for the path. Let's pray it again. God, give me feet for the path. Read with me Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. The Bible says this. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been uh, engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, what is happening now is the will of the Lord. Things to notice within this uh, first section of Scripture are the fact that Joseph and Mary being engaged and then marrying are experiencing something, experiencing something new, something fresh, something never before seen. The Holy Spirit has come into a virgin, Mary. 
to conceive in her a boy whose name should be Emmanuel, translating God with us. For a specific purpose, God intends now through this virgin birth to deliver the world from its wickedness and sin. Uh, Nonetheless, this is definitely something very different from anything that they had ever thought their life would be, uh, totally different from anything that uh, Joseph would have ever thought his marriage um, to Mary would ever become. And so her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man, the Bible says this is something else to notice, that him being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, there's two things there. One, he was a righteous man. He was a man after God's heart, a man uh, seeking to live a righteous life, a man uh, trying to do the right thing and be holy and live holy, for God is holy. It says, her husband Joseph, a righteous man, and also not wanting to disgrace her publicly, surely still in love with her, but... Uh, uh, dealing with an unfortunate or what seems like an unfortunate turn of events, decided to divorce her. The Bible goes on to say, and this is what I really want to highlight from this section here, the Bible goes on to say, but after he had considered these things, you know, I'm not quite impressed with the way the CSB, which is the version I preach from, uh, I'm not impressed with how they term, or they phrase that because I think... Um, Uh, Other versions say it better. Other versions say, while he was trying to figure a way out, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. While he was trying to figure a way out, I look all over this room and I see a bunch of testimonies. I see a bunch of people coming from all uh, different walks of life, different uh, ways. Some of you have come a long way to where you are today. Some of you um, just drove five minutes down the road. That's okay. Uh, No, there are plenty different stories in this room. If we went around the room, we could go one by one and tell a different story. We could tell of a different journey that we've been on, different testimony of how God has proven himself to be faithful and true consistent to the gospel. We could tell plenty of stories. Maybe you can't. Maybe you don't know that yet. But you can tell a story of your journey. You can tell a story of where you've been, where you've come from, and how you've gotten to this place today, how you're in the spot that you're in today. And uh, that being the case, there's no doubt in my mind, though we all come and we're here by way of different journeys we've all experienced or are experiencing a moment in life where maybe we are looking for a way out. Anybody looking for a way out? There's been times in my life where I've looked at my circumstance and thought, man, I need a way out of this. Whether it be self-inflicted circumstance or whether it be a circumstance that I find myself in at that current moment, I need a way out. And so as the Bible declares in verse 19, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly, obviously because the, uh, the thought or the ideas that she had been unfaithful 
and that there had been some infidelity here that was reason for divorce. There's no way people could see us and see her um, uh, pregnant with child and know that we have disgraced God in this way uh, by thinking that we had done something outside of wedlock. And so, in, in, in that day, that would cause a really, really bad circumstance. It's not like today. Today, we just, you know, nobody bats an eye at anything. Uh, we can get married and divorce the same day and nobody, we'd still be celebrating. It's different in our culture today. But in this day, it would be harsh uh, circumstances to experience infidelity within the uh, the marriage is, is very disgraceful in this day, and that's why he wanted to divorce her secretly, and, and, and surely uh, it was a hard time in their journey. And the Bible says, after he had considered these things, or better said, while he was trying to figure a way out, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And what I want to say today is this, that some of us in this room may be trying to find a way out of our circumstances. No doubt we get in a pickle and as problem solvers, humanity is organically created to be uh, problem solvers because there's always a problem that needs solved. And so us as people organically will, you ever get in a moment, and, and the easiest thing to tie this back to would be bills, it would be finances, because financial struggle, uh, if financial struggle was not an issue, I think we'd be a much happier people, and marriages would survive a lot longer, actually, but you ever find yourself in a, in a situation where maybe an unexpected bill comes, what's your reaction, oh my gosh, what can I sell, what can I do to get the money I need to pay this bill, right, and it's like, uh, I, I can remember uh, in, in the earlier years of our marriage, I can remember plenty of times thinking through um, circumstances and, and ways uh, to get out of those circumstances. We got to pay this bill. We can't pay this bill. So how do we get away with not paying the bill? That's called uh, accumulating debt and resulting in bad credit. Um, don't do that. And I just wonder, in spite of my lame examples, I wonder how many of us are secretly trying to find a way out of anything, of whatever we're going through, whatever circumstance we're walking in, the valleys that we're finding ourselves walking in the middle of. Here for Joseph, it was the fact that this woman that he loved uh, and cherished so much who he was engaged to be married to is now pregnant out of nowhere and she's blaming God, she's blaming the Holy Spirit and in Joseph's uh, view, uh, my wife has been uh, an adulteress and has, uh, has cheated on me. We all sing that song during the, uh, it's the worst song ever in my opinion, don't hate me for it, don't throw any tomatoes, but Mary did you know, I'll tell you, I just don't like the song. I don't like the song because I don't think she knew. I don't think she knew a thing. Uh, she only knew what the Lord had told her. And, and uh, Natalie loves to sing that song over and over and over again. She wants to put it on the radio. And I tell her no every time. She says, why? And I say, I just don't like it. It is what it is. But I think today, in contrast, we could sing a different song. We could sing, Joseph, did you know? Joseph, did you know um, that uh, your boy was going to be born in a cold, wet barn? 
See, we, we get so wrapped up in this Christmas story and these things where uh, we see the nice dramatizations and things like that. And we see a nice clean stable. We see, a, um, you know, it's nice and dry. And uh, Jesus is smiling and rosy cheeks, angels with wings uh, everywhere. And uh, it's a nice pretty picture. Uh, but I got to tell you, I don't think it was much like that. Uh, Jesus cried the night he was born like any other baby would cry the night that they were born. I believe that it was uh, probably not the best uh, of places to uh, <laughs> give birth to a child. Probably not as sanitary as we would like it to be. And definitely not uh, the perfect conditions. Um, but we could sing this song. Joseph, did you know that Jesus was going to be born in a cold, wet barn? Did you know that you were going to have to flee to Egypt because this weird king wanted to kill your boy for whatever reason? Did you know that you would have to depend on the gifts given to you by three random strangers from a field? Uh, you would have to depend on these things to kind of pay your way and provide your way to flee to Egypt and, and go into a land uh, just to, just to uh, get away from somebody who wants to murder your child? Joseph, did you know you were going to uh, do all this when you signed up to marry, uh, marry, marry? Did you know? And obviously the answer would be no. Obviously he didn't know that all these things would come to pass or come to pass. And, and here the monumental thing, the, the, the thing to look at is the fact that here Joseph finds himself in, in one of those moments. A moment of the unknown, a moment, a moment of scarcity, a moment of, of fear, anxiety, worry, maybe a moment of not knowing what's next, a moment of now having to divorce a woman that he loved, a woman that he was uh, uh, just marrying, a woman that he had been engaged to. Why? Because of infidelity. And so not only is there um, uh, let down expectations, but there's hurt and there's uh, practical feelings. I want you to know that the people we read about and talk about in the Word of God are real people like you and I, and there are practical and real feelings that have been felt here. And here Joseph is looking for a way out, but the moment he's looking for a way out, an angel of the Lord appears to him and starts to say to him the things that he needs to know. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 23, and some of you could quote it just um, you know, verbatim, uh, out of memory in your head. But Psalm, Psalm 23, starting in verse 1, and we'll only go to verse 4 to, uh, to go along with the theme of what we're talking about. We're talking about feet for the path. Joseph is on a rough path at this moment, full of unsurety, don't know what's uh, going to come. One moment he's about ready to divorce his wife because of infidelity. The next second he's uh, in a dream being um, engaged by a, an angel saying, hey, don't be afraid to marry Joseph because, hey, this is something that the Lord is doing. It's a new thing that the Lord is doing and you should behold it and that you should uh, embrace it and that you should just, um, you should fall into the will of the Lord for your life and do this. And so as we think on these things and as we contemplate feet for the path, we know the path is hard and I'll kind of break it to you. I'll preach the, the culmination of the message right now, right here, right now. 
uh, right as we stand here on this second point here. The fact of the matter is we're all on a journey and we all face hard times. We all face mountaintops and valleys low. We all face highs and lows. Somebody say it with me. Highs and lows. We face these things and no doubt this season can be either really great for somebody or really bad because of uh, family, because of finances, because of whatever the case may be. We could either uh, have a really good Christmas season or we can all be broke and miserable uh, because Christmas is just a hard time of year. There's still bills to pay, but you got to get a present for the babies. So, in this moment where Joseph is finding himself on a path he did not ask for, though the path be hard, God give me feet for the path. I'm going to tell you why we should ask for feet for the path as opposed to looking for a way out today. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 23, starting in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? I'm his sheep. I need to be taken care of by him. I need direction by him. I'm a sheep. I am. You are. And the Lord is our shepherd. He takes care of us. We need his guidance. We depend on his provision. We depend on him to lead us to water and food. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. He's not just any shepherd. He's a good one. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. You know what that means? To lie down in green pastures? A shepherd leads his sheep, his flock, to green pastures to graze, but then they travel on. But he lets me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he allows me to abide in abundance. He allows me to reside amongst everything that I need. In other words, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. Why? Because all that I need, I abide in. Ironically enough, all that I need that I abide in is him. He is my green pasture. So he's my shepherd, he's my good shepherd, and he's my green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. And here's the good one. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so what I want to talk about from this moment on is the fact that even though I'm still going to go through the dark valleys, even though my path and my journey finds, uh, my path and my journey consists of rough spots. It consists of dark times. It consists of hard times. We all go through hard times. It doesn't matter what your bank account looks like or how much credit you have. We find ourselves in hard times sometimes, emotionally, physically, financially, or any other lee you want to look at. And the fact of the matter is this, that even though, I go through these rough times, even though I know I'm going to have to walk through this valley. The difference is God. The difference is Jesus. Jesus makes the difference. Somebody tap your neighbor on the shoulder. Tell them, Jesus makes the difference. I, I put a post on uh, social media. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. I said this. Two people can be walking the same direction but have two different perspectives because Jesus makes the difference. Two people 
can be going through the same dark valley, but one of them have a different perspective. And their walks will look totally different because of who they know. It's Jesus. Jesus makes the difference. I think back to a story of the Bible, John. Anybody, or not John, Luke. Uh, anybody reading Luke in December? Anybody do the thing where you read one chapter a day in December? Me too. We love it. We love to read with the children. Um, and we were reading the other night, and if you were reading, you were uh, also reading the same thing. And um, in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 42, it tells, or not starting in verse 42, but uh, verse 42 is what I want to look at. Uh, and I don't have it up here, so just bear with me. Turn to it or just listen. Um, the Bible talks about a woman. A woman who had an issue of blood. Let me tell you what it says. It says, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. 12 years she suffered with this, uh, this condition. Who had spent all she had on doctors. And yet could not be healed by any. You get the context? Do you get the scenery here? Do you get what's going on? Jesus is passing through this. A crowd of people, and there's plenty of people. It says that they were crushing against him, right? And this woman who had been struggling with this issue of blood for 12 years, for a long time, had spent all her resource on trying to find the remedy for her condition. Seeing Jesus, this is what happens. She approached from behind and touched the end of his robe, and instantly her bleeding stopped. It's the woman with the issue of blood. Surely we've heard this story before. <laughs> and Jesus pipes up, he says, who touched me? And his disciples, it's funny enough, his disciples were like, what do you mean, who touched you? Jesus, we're, look at us, we're in the middle of all these people, we need to get out, we need to go, we need to get through here, everybody's touching you. And he said, no, somebody touched me because I know that power has gone out from me. Did you get that? Power had gone out from him. Jesus made the difference. In the 12 years that this woman had tried, day in and day out, surely, spending all resource to figure out how in the world she could be healed or how her condition could be dealt with, the remedy for her issue of blood, whatever that means and whatever that looks like, the 12 years she spent probably was an exhausting 12 years, spending uh, all her time and resource on trying to find a, a, a remedy for her condition. And here on this day, surely hearing stories of this man named Jesus, who now is passing through, the only thing she can think of is, man, if I can just touch him, I know that he is powerful. And uh, you know what's funny? The best part is this, I, I, I wasn't even planning on mentioning this, but it goes perfectly with the message, so thank you Lord for this uh, thought here. The great thing is this, look at what saved her. It wasn't the fact that she touched Jesus per se. Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Everybody talks a lot about how she reached out. She must have reached out very low and grabbed a hold of just the corner of his garment. And, and the Bible says that she did just grab a hold of just a little bit of his garment. And, and, and yes, that was, uh, that was the moment in time where power had gone out from the Lord. But what made the power leave the Lord? Was it the act of touching Jesus or was it her faith? God, give me feet. 
You get where I'm going with this? Faith for the path. God, I know my path is going to be rough in spots. God, I know it's going to be hard sometimes. God, I am going through the hardest time of my life right now. I have so much fear. I have so much anxiety. I have so much worry about what's to come. And I've spent endless hours trying to figure a way out. Just like Joseph. Just trying to scratch and claw at the walls of the valley for a way up and out. And I think today what God would rather you pray, or what God knows would be better for you. He, do you believe he knows the best for you? Is God give me feet for my path. I know I have to go through this path. Why? Well, you can ask him why all you want. The path that I'm currently on. If I am going, and this is faith right here. This is what I want to talk about. The, path, uh, the faith of this woman here is monumental to what we're talking about today regarding feet for the path. If I am going to have to walk this path. If I am going to have to deal with what I'm dealing with right now. Anybody dealing with anything in this room? I'm alone in here? Okay, that's cool. Um, it's okay, that's cool. Uh, I'll stand here alone. If I have to deal with what I'm dealing with, if this is what I'm, if this is the lot I'm cast, then God give me feet for this path. Instead of sitting, and this is what we do, and this is why, this is why I feel like we never get anywhere, is because we get hung up at this moment. This woman could have surely just taken the 12 years experience of, uh, uh, of being let down time and time and time again and just wallowed in her self-pity. And could have sat there and could have, uh, could have just given up. I'm tired of looking for a way out. Anybody tired of looking for a way out? She's tired of looking for a way out. And she could have just given up. But her faith, her faith. What, and what I want to highlight and what I think God is illuminating today is this. Uh, the moment, whatever it was that clicked inside of her, her faith, to decide that it was worth traveling through the crowd to just grab just a hold of something of him and see what happened. It was the faith, it was that that clicked on the inside of her, that, that told her on the inside, this, this may be it, this may be how, this may be what. And other than looking for a way out, her faith gave her a way through. Jesus makes the difference. You and I could be going through the same troubles, but your faith in Jesus will bring you through while I'm stuck looking for a way out. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he gives us hope and confidence. And that's what we can really have our faith in today. I want to read from Romans chapter 8. If you've not read the book of Romans or it's been a long time, I would suggest just going through Romans uh, one chapter at a time. As a matter of fact, I would rather just one section at a time. Your Bible breaks it up very perfectly. You just go through there one section at a time and really contemplate the words found in the book of Romans. I, I believe 100%. My professor once said this, Professor Danny Cochran um, with New Orleans Theological 
uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he said it one time, uh, or said it a bunch, and then I believe it to be true. I think Romans is the single most important document ever written in history. Um, definitely concerning our faith. Uh, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. What then are we to say to these things? What things? These things. He did not even, oh, I skipped a part, hold on. What are we to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Verse 33, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, not your circumstance. Not anything you can drum up on your own. Who is the one who can condemn us? Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. But every, uh, but even more, somebody say even more, has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction can distress, can persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, because of you, we are uh, being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. But then the Bible doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul goes on, and I love it. He says, for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Two things I want to highlight from this section of scripture is one, our hope. Somebody say hope. And two, our confidence. Somebody say confidence. Our hope and our confidence. These are two things that we should have. If we have faith in Jesus, if we've placed our faith in Jesus, if we know Christ, if we know the Lord, if we have a relationship with God, we should have hope and we should have confidence. These things come organically through the deposit of the Holy Spirit within you. If you find yourself in a place of hopelessness, Jesus makes the difference. Amen? Look at verse 32 there. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? What is our hope, Austin? I asked this morning in small group, what is the gospel? Somebody said the good news. You're right. It is good news. That God himself would see his creation and know their condition and know the implications for their condition and make a way through by the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is our hope? Our hope is the gospel. But deeper than that and more than that, and you should probably write this down, I did. Our hope is in his devotion to us, not our devotion to him. We spin our wheels as Christians checking off the Christian checklist every day, right? And if I haven't read my Bible today, then I'm slacking. I'm a backslider. 
And if I haven't done this, if I haven't done that, if it's been this long since I've shown up to church, if I've not uh, shared my testimony with somebody, if I've not given faithfully to the church, if I've not done this, if I've not done this. And we all, uh, all these things are definitely um, uh, things that you should be doing as a Christian. You should, if you follow Christ, you should come to church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Why? Because we together, doing life together, make up the body of Christ. Otherwise, you're a severed hand of Jesus. People are like, well, I can follow the Lord all my own at, at home. I can worship God just like I can in church at home. Yeah, the only, separ- uh, the only uh, difference is uh, you're acting like Jesus got an amputation. We are a body brought together to be together, to live together, to walk together, to minister together. To learn together, to grow together, to be together. We are the body of Christ. And our hope, we place our hope in our ability to devote ourselves to him. Our own devotion to him. Like, it's, it's crazy how we do as humans. And I kind of spoke about this a little bit last week. But as humans, we think, okay, compartmentalizing everything. If we can do this, 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 and this, then we're good in the eyes of God. Are we good? Paul said, I'm wretched. If there be anything good in me, it's only the Holy Spirit that's now in me because of the love of Christ and what he's done on the cross. But we, we get caught up in these checklists and we're like, okay, I I prayed for sister so-and-so and and I prayed for uh, uh, brother so-and-so and so, so, okay, maybe God's happier with me today. Church, I want to tell you uh, in, in the famous words of the best song I think that was ever written, I'll never be more loved. You'll never be more loved than you are right now. You wasn't holding God up and so there's nothing you can do to let him down. It's in his devotion to you. That seals you and saves you and completes you and makes you whole. That is our hope. That God himself was devoted to us in this way. He he Here, I'll say it in a better way that maybe you can understand. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him. Who? 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 Just them that checked off the Christian checklist for today? Just them that gave that tithe? Just them that prayed for Susie? No, whosoever. Whosoever that would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. And the whole time it's an enormous love story of how Jesus, instead of giving you, uh, it's like some people ask this question, I've asked it myself, if all this is like, if if God's plan and his intention, if God's will is to, um, uh, that none should perish, remember we read this last week, uh, God's will is that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That all would come to this uh, saving knowledge and repentance in order to uh, have this relationship with Jesus and uh, have eternal life, the gift of God that God gives to us. If that is his will, why wouldn't he just snap his fingers and just take us all up to glory, right? If that's his intention, why do we have to go through the song and dance of life? Why do we have to go through all this struggle? Why must we walk through the valleys? Well, I'll ask you this. What what glorifies the Lord the most? If he was to snap his fingers as a celestial bellhop, providing your way and ushering you into the glory of heaven, or if he was to show you that through the darkness, 
in the darkest valley you could ever face, he is still God and that he is still your shepherd and that even though you walk through the darkest valley, he makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. Somebody said it best last night. I went to the play, The Silent Star, and somebody said it best. I was like, oh, that's good. He could preach my message. What's so extraordinary about the love of God is this, that God does not make you love him. For if God made you love him, we would serve him out of obligation. But the fact that he gives you a choice to love him and a choice to accept Jesus as your Savior makes it all the more special because he does not force you to love him and serve him out of obligation. He gives you a choice to come to him and accept him as your Savior and as your provider, as, some, as, as everything you stand in need of. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. That is our hope. Jesus is our hope. And what about our confidence, Austin? How can we have confidence that Jesus is our hope? How can we have confidence in this life? Never, I mean, never knowing what's around the bend. You ever heard the old, uh, the old saying, you're either uh, going into a, uh, what is it? You're either uh, coming out of a storm, uh, in a storm, or uh, just about to go into a storm. You ever heard that before? Such is life. We never know what's around the bend. Today we could be peachy. We can have a great time today and tomorrow we could have the worst day of our life. It's crazy how that happens, isn't it? I wouldn't wish that on anybody sitting in this room. But I'll just say this. That is life. One moment we're good. The next minute we're afraid for our life. Look at COVID. Look at uh, uh, any death you've ever experienced in your family. Perfect examples. But the fact of the matter is that we can have confidence in this um, time of uh, turmoil, in this time of turbulence. Life is turbulent, is it not? Yet, even though we walk in this turbulent life, we can have confidence. We have a hope in Jesus because of what he's done, because of his devotion to us and not our devotion to him. We can have confidence in his power. Because he is powerful to be our keeper. The Bible says he is our keeper. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8 verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then it goes on to list these things. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction? No. Can distress? No. Can persecution? No. Can famine? No. Can nakedness? No. Can danger? No. Can sword? No. And he says, actually, no, in all these things, in every one of them, all these things, we are actually made to be conquerors. All these things that we face, all these dark valleys that we walk through, all these trying times, all these times of not knowing what's around the bend, all these uncertain, turbulent times that we face in our life, and that you may be facing right here and right now. Well, no, you didn't say you did, only me. Um, we can have confidence why? He says, no, in all these things, we are actually made to be more than conquerors through, somebody say through, not out of him, but through him who loved us. Our hope is found in Jesus and what he's done for us, not anything that we can do for him. And our confidence 
is that he is powerful enough to keep us. God is not gambling with our souls. God is not unsure if the supply of heaven will run out before he can provide to you. God is our keeper. He is a good shepherd. A shepherd who is powerful enough to keep you. What does that mean? To provide for you sustainably. To lead you beside the best still waters. To let you abide amongst abundance. To give you life. And actually, even though we got to walk through the dark valley of life here on earth, life eternally in glory. Life after this one. We don't talk about that much anymore. I used to have so many conversations about life after this life. But I think, <laughs> I think this life, if we're not careful, we can let it just kind of like overshadow thoughts of what's to come. We're all like, the best illustration I ever saw, a pastor once did this. Maybe I've done it in here before. Like, look at this microphone. Like, imagine this microphone is your life, and then this is just eternity, right? This is eternity. What happens, this is what we do. We live our life. We live it, live it, live it, live it. And all this is spent trying to make this part the best. We want so badly to work so hard and so well and be so awesome at uh, everything as far as pro uh, um, uh, uh, producing and providing and, and, and stacking up and, and, and uh, putting into our own storehouses everything we need in order to live uh, just an easy laid back moment right here. When God is offering all of this. We we. Only put our gaze on this moment of our life when God would ask you to consider all this. Right? It's crazy. It's bonkers to me. We have this hope and we have this confidence in Jesus. Why? Because he is powerful to be our keeper. I want to tell you this. Look at um, 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, starting in verse 7, the Bible says this, Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God, not from us. Look at the terminology. It says in clay jars. Speaking about us, this power, this extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit is treasure to us. We are the clay jar that holds the Holy Spirit inside of us that God has placed there. And now we have this treasure in clay jars, which is our bodies, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. 
his power. We will go through this hard time, but it will not eliminate us. We will be afflicted. We will be persecuted, but we won't be crushed. We won't be in despair. We will see persecution. We will be perplexed in some ways, but he will never abandon us, and we will not be destroyed. When we are weak, he is strong. I want to tell you today, church, and you should write this down and remember it, that God's power in our lives is displayed best in our weakness. In other words, when we are weak, it is so much more evident that he is strong. When we are helpless, he is helpful. God is powerful in this way that even in our weakness, he makes us strong. He gives us a way through. Somebody say a way through. There's been a contrast this whole message, and I'm rounding up. I'm, I know I'm getting into your lunchtime at this point. There's been a contrast this whole entire time. A lot of us are looking for a way out when God's trying to show you a way through. A way out, a way out, a way out. God's like, look, way through, way through, way through. God, I don't want to go through. Oh, man. When we are weak, he is strong. God's powerful in this way that even in our weakness, because of him, somebody say God makes the difference. Because of him, even in our weakness, we are made strong. God makes the difference. It's because of him. He gives us feet for the path. He's powerful even still. You remember that message? Hopefully you do. He is powerful even still. He gives us feet for the path. And so let me give you an example here, and I'm closing. The Bible says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 13, the Bible says, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. You ever heard somebody say, God will not place anything on you more than you can handle? You ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? Mm. And then later to uh, realize that, oh wait, I can't handle the circumstance that I'm currently in, so God, where are you at? No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God. Remember I told you last week <laughs> that I love the big buts of the Bible. The Bible says here, but God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And otherwise, your sovereignty, your power, and the, uh, the amazing fact that you are the creator of the universe, and yet somehow, someway, you still love me. Somehow, someway, you know the numbers of hairs that are on my head. Somehow, someway, you've gone to drastic lengths in order to, uh, to make a way for me to have a relationship relationship with you through the chasm separating us by way of my sin. God, you've made that way. God, you are faithful. I don't know if you know this in here or not, but God is faithful. He's been faithful. He will be faithful. And I may still face troubles. I may still have temptations, but God is my keeper. Somebody say he's my keeper. God is my keeper. He's made a way for me. He is my way maker. He has made a way for me to get through. The Bible says this, God is faithful. He is faithful. 
He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation. In other words, the temptation will be coming. It's still going to come. But as God allows these things to happen in your life, and as you are allowed to go through certain circumstances that may look like hardship to you right now in this moment, he will also provide a way. God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. He will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. What I want to say is this. That God is faithful in this way, that even though you must go through what you're going through at this moment, nothing's going to stop it. Stop scrounging for a way out. Because that's what we do as humanity. We scrounge and we strive and we try to claw the wall, the side of the valley. Imagine this valley. I almost brought the boxes back out. Imagine this valley. Uh, and we claw at the walls of the valley, stuck in our own uh, places of self-defeat because we can't scale the side of the valley. And we're looking for a way out. And here, Joseph is looking for a way out because of infidelity. And, and through his love for Mary, he doesn't want to disgrace her. He doesn't want to publicly... Um, uh, embarrass her and so he's like okay we're gonna divorce secretly i need a way out of this this is uh this is not holy this is not uh where god wants me to be and he's striving for a way out but god is faithful somebody say god is faithful matter of fact somebody stand up on your feet and give god a shout of praise and give god some glory that he has been faithful in your life because in the moment in the moment that you stand oh my goodness Y'all stay standing. We're almost through. Ban, you go ahead and come on up. In the moment that we find ourselves in the darkest valley, as we try so hard to claw our way out, God wants to give us a way through. God wants to show us that even though that weapon is formed against us, it will not prosper. Why? Because he is faithful. He is our keeper. He is our provider. I don't have to see the finish line before I take the first step in faith when I trust that God is faithful. What has God been trying you or trying to get you to step off into regarding your faith? What has God been trying to get you to obey him in regarding your faith lately? What is that step that you won't take because you can't see the finish line? Hey, when I can't see the finish line, I don't have to see the finish line to take the first step in faith when I trust that God is faithful. Sometimes you got to walk by faith and not by sight. Sound familiar? We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. But so many of us, because we are striving for a way out, we will stay in our current circumstance, clawing at the walls of the valley when God wants us to go through the valley. And it's the trust that we can place on him to know that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear nothing why? Because he is our keeper. He is faithful. He is strong. He is powerful. He's my way maker. And when I can't see a way out, he is my light that lights my path. God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when I'm so fearful and when I'm so afraid and when I can't find a way out, God, your word will light my way out. You are my keeper. You are my protector. You are my provider. God, you make me to lay down in abundance. You lead me beside still waters. My God is faithful. Somebody tell your neighbor, he's faithful. What if this whole time you've been praying for a way out when God wants to show you a way through? What if feet for my path 
looks more like feet for my faith. God, help me to have faith to trust in you. God, help me to have the faith. God, I feel like that one, that one rider. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me to have feet for my path. If I gotta go through this, God, give me feet for my faith. Would you be so bold? Quit clawing up the mountainside in pursuit of a way out and humble yourself before the Lord today. God exalts the ones who humble themselves and humbles the ones who exalt themselves. Don't strive to go in the direction of your own will, your own might, your own power today, but humble yourself before the Lord. Bow at an altar before his feet. Place your trust and your faith in Jesus. God, give me feet for my faith. I don't want to say it. I want to be it. Talk is cheap. I want to walk the walk. I don't just want to talk the talk. God, I want to see you so evident in my life. God, I need you to show up in this portion of my life. Give me feet for my faith. I'm going to walk out my faith. You don't need to see the finish line before you take the first step in faith. And you can trust that God is faithful. Thank you, God, that you have been faithful all my life. And in the moments of my weakness, God, you are strong. So should I face persecution, my God is stronger. Should I face the sword, my God is stronger. Should I stand at the entrance of the darkest valley, my God is faithful. God help me. Help me to have feet for my path. Help me to trust you. Put feet, feet to my faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you take this time to come to the Lord? Would you come to the altar? Do business with the Lord. Don't waste this time. We come every single week to this place in hopes that we would receive something for the Lord. I hope that's why you come with expectation to be encountered by Jesus. Would you come to this altar today and ask the Lord, give me feet for my path. Take this time, use it wisely. In Jesus' name, do that now.